0: Hello, my friends. I greet you in the name of the Lord Jesus. This is Pastor Christopher Alum in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. And uh, yesterday we actually ended our subject uh, about the power of the blood of Jesus. Uh, it was 13 lessons in all, and uh, they're all up on YouTube, uploaded. That brings to, I think we've done about 113 videos so far. Uh, we first uh, taught on um, Um, on the realities of redemption, talking about the new birth, about healing, about 30 of those lessons were actually on healing and about ministering to the sick. And then we talked about uh, uh, God's grace and man's faith, and we talked about uh, uh, the Holy Spirit and his gifts. And then we talked about the power of the blood of Jesus. And today we are about, we are going to start a new subject, and that is... The blood covenant, the blood covenant, because uh, lately, you know, you hear a lot about the word covenant. Uh, what does it mean? What does covenant actually mean? It's a word that is used very often. And to many uh, people, I mean, to people, it means different things to whoever you ask, he means something different. But I want to talk to you about the blood covenant to, for us to have a biblical understanding and understanding what the Blood Covenant is and what it is all about and uh, and how important it is for us to understand it. So uh, the first thing I want to start by saying is that, the <clears throat> this is just to give you an intro, the first thing is that the Blood Covenant is our point of contact with God. Uh, the Blood Covenant is our point of contact with God in the sense that everything that God does in our lives, he does according to his covenant. Everything that God does in our lives are according to his covenant and our expectations from God should be according to his covenant. So we have to, so to understand that uh, if our expectations from God should be in line with His covenant, then we have to understand what the covenant is. And that's what the subject is all about. Now, another thing I want to say, is that the christian life is not about if you understand the blood covenant you will understand this that the christian life is not about our ability but it has to do with our response to god's ability then the other thing i want to say the third thing is that to know the covenant is to know the will of god because a lot of people wonder what is the will of god and the will of god seems to be very fluid and fluctuate you know fluctuating so nobody really knows what the will of God is, and today, this is the will of God. Tomorrow, the opposite is the will of God. So how can we know the will of God? What is the, what does God really think? You know, what is his will? Well, if we understand the covenant, we will understand the will of God. The fourth thing is that it is impossible to understand God's way of thinking and God's plan and purposes without understanding the blood covenant. I repeat that it is impossible for us to understand God's thoughts and God's way of thinking and to do or to understand his plans and purposes without understanding the blood covenant. So before we launch into the blood covenant, let me first start by telling you about the importance of the blood. Why is the blood so important? Why is it the blood covenant and not just the covenant? Uh, why are the two words always linked together? The blood covenant. Well, Leviticus 17, 11 to verse 14, we are talking about the blood now. It says, For the life of the flesh is in the blood, and I have given it to you upon the altar to make an atonement for your souls. For it is the blood that maketh an atonement for the soul. Therefore I said unto the children of Israel, No soul of you shall eat blood, neither shall any stranger that sojourneth among you eat blood. And whatsoever man there be of the children of Israel or of the strangers that sojourn among you, which hunteth and catches any beast or fowl that may be eaten, he shall even pour out the blood thereof and cover it with dust. Uh, this, you know, this is this text brings it back to uh, memory because you know the uh, i grew up as a muslim and and the muslims uh, you know all over the world india pakistan bangladesh middle east everywhere all the way to malaysia and indonesia wherever you have muslims they have the eid festival in which they sacrifice an animal they always sacrifice you know uh, a sheep or a lamb or a goat or a or if it's sometimes several families will get together or an extended family will have a bull, they'll sacrifice. So everybody sacrifices an animal and the animal has to be um, without blemish, without mark because it's sacrificed to God. So it has to be without mark. And now if you ask Muslims, why do you uh, sacrifice this animal in in the Eid festival and they'll say it is Sunnat al-Ibrahimi. That means this is something that the prophet Abraham used to do and we do it because Abraham did it and he kind of commanded that we should do it. So it's very interesting thought that they did it because Abraham did it. And this is what they did that when they sacrificed the animal, uh, they, they sacrificed it. They actually cut the throat so that the animal would actually bleed to death. The, sons, the spinal cord would be left intact so the animal would actually bleed to death. And when the animal would bleed to death, there was no blood left inside the animal, then they used to cover up the blood with the dirt. So this is very interesting. This is something I remember since childhood. So anyway, just a little thought I wanted to share with you reminds me of my childhood. And whatsoever man, there shall be of the children of Israel or of the strangers that sojourn among you, <coughs> which hunteth and catcheth any beast or fowl that may be eaten He shall even pour out the blood thereof and cover it with dust. Yes, and that also, I'm adding this reminds you that we used to hunt a lot. So whenever we hunted or shot an animal or a bird, if it was a partridge or a duck or a deer or whatever, if it was already dead by the time we reached it, we couldn't eat the meat because the blood was still in the animal and the animal was dead and it was considered haram. We used to just let it go. So, But we used to shoot it in a way to make sure that it was wounded, it wasn't actually dead. Because once it was wounded, it still had life in it, its hearts were still plumping blood. Then we used to cut its throat and we used to let it bleed to death. So it's very interesting that if the animal was already dead, the bullet hit it, it was dead, it couldn't be eaten, it wasn't halal anymore, so it had to bleed to death. Anyway, Dave says, for it is the life of the flesh, the blood of it is for the life thereof. Therefore, I said unto the children of Israel, you shall eat the blood of no manner of flesh for the life of all flesh is in the blood thereof. Whoever, whosoever eateth it shall be cut off." So what, what is basically saying here, uh, the book of Leviticus chapter 17 verses to 11, <coughs> it is saying that the life, <coughs> I'm sorry, The life of all flesh is in its blood. Okay. And God has given us the blood upon the altar to make atonement for our souls. And it says that you shall not eat blood. Eating blood is absolutely forbidden because life is in the blood. That's what it's saying. Even in verse 14, it reminds us that the life of all flesh is in the blood. So this is the biblical principle uh, that life is in the blood. In the Bible, blood is life and not death, as many support. So uh, as many support. So you know, in, in our modern day and culture, whenever we talk about blood, we mean death. You know, we uh, it was a bloody, it was a bloody story, it was a bloody movie, that means it was full of death. But in the Bible, blood is primarily about life rather than death. So remember that. So when the Bible talks about blood. It's mainly about life and not about death. So that's uh, the biblical way of thinking It's very opposite to, the, is opposite to the Western mind of thinking. The Western mind thinks that blood is death, but in the Bible, uh, blood is life. Now, Hebrews, let me tell you, because the next point I'm going to share with you is that the Bible is a living book. And as I said, blood is life. Just hold on to that thought. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12 it says for the word that God speaks speaks that means the word of God is alive and full of power and I'm reading it from the Amplified For the Word that God speaks is alive alive and full of power, making it active, operative, energizing, and effective. <coughs> Sorry, it is sharper than any two edged sword, penetrating to the dividing line of the breath of life, soul, and the immortal spirit, and of joints and marrow, of the deepest parts of our nature, exposing and sifting and analyzing and judging the very thoughts and the purpose of the heart. Okay, so what he it says, it's it's, it's its giving us, uh, depicting the word of God as not just words, uh, like when I talk about words, it's sounds that come out of my mouth, or words, or letters, You know, printed in ink on a piece of paper, but it says that the word of God, the word that God speaks, the words that come out of the mouth of God, they are alive and they are full of power. And in fact, that word is sharper than a two-edged sword because when it goes in, it penetrates the dividing line between spirit and uh, uh, immortal spirits and, 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 and the bones and the joints and marrow. That means the deepest part of our nature. And that word is active, working in us, exposing and sifting and sorting through and analyzing and judging the very thoughts and the purposes of the heart. So the Word of God is, is actually is, it is alive, just like you and I are alive, so is the Word alive. In fact, the Word is more alive than you and I, because one day you and I are going to die. But the Word of God never dies. It never dies. It is alive and it's full of life and it is full of power. And it penetrates between, between, um, between soul and spirit. It gets in there. Between bone and marrow. And it gets in there. It analyzing. It exposes. It sifts through. It judges the thoughts and the intents of the heart. The motives. The word of God goes in there. So the thing is that the word of God, the word that God speaks is alive and powerful. That is my point. Now, in other words, the Bible is the only book that is alive and as such it is able to impart life to the hearer. Jesus said in John 6:63, 6, "My words they, they are spirit and they are life." So the Bible being a living book, it is the only book that you and I read which is a living book and because it is a living book, it has within itself life and power, the same thing that I read in Hebrews 4.12, it goes into the heart, into the mind and analyzes and sifts through things, such as things. That word, it is the only book that is able to impart life to the reader. So when you and I sit down and read our Bible, when the moment we begin to read it, the Holy Spirit gets to work and that word begins to work in us and it begins to Change us and do the work of God in our lives. Hallelujah. So the word of God is able, is the only book on, in this universe that is able to impart life to the hearer. And in my ministry, I've seen many, many, many people over the years who have been healed. Just when I have been speaking the word, that word is so powerful. Like, you know, I've told this story many times. I was in Rosario, Argentina, my very first crusade there. I I remember I was reading from Psalm 103 that I was going to preach out of that text. And when I began to... I read the scripture. I said, "Let's open. I open my Bible, and I'm going to read. And I'm going to. I begin to read from Psalm 103. And I said, "Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all His benefits, who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases." who redeems your life from destruction and crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies. So as I was reading, as I came to that part where it says he forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases. Now, you can imagine, I'm holding a microphone and I'm reading out of my Bible. That's all I'm doing. I'm not praying. I'm not exercising faith. I'm just reading the Bible. But as I read the Bible, the life and the power in those words went through. And in the big crowd, there were tens of thousands of people. There was a lady whose backbone was, (coughs) her spinal cord had been severed in an accident. For 16 years, she had been confined to a wheelchair because her backbone had been broken. And as I read the words, the word of God went through right into her body and healed her spinal cord. And this woman who had been paralyzed 16 years got up and began to walk. Hallelujah. Praise God. Other times I've seen people, they told me, they said, Pastor, when you were reading the word, something happened to me. Uh, I remember recently I was preaching in Sweden and there was a lady, she had been on uh, this very strong uh, uh, very strong. Well, she, she, so many, many years. She has this intense pain. So she used to take morphine. Actually, she used to take morphine every day. And because of, she used to take that morphine, that uh, it was, it was her medication. She was addicted to that morphine, and that morphine kept her pain down. So she said that I came to the meeting. Uh, service today and I I didn't take my morphine. I came and I sat and, and my pain began to grow. And he says, as Pastor Christopher began to preach, he began to speak the word of God. I felt like the words that he was speaking were coming all over me and washing through me. And I began to feel that the words that were coming out of his mouth, the word of God began to work in me. And suddenly I was healed. And she said, this happened yesterday. I went home, I woke up this morning and this was a night meeting. She says, I woke up this morning without pain, nothing. I've been normal the whole day. No pain. I don't need my morphine anymore. I'm completely healed. You know, this was just uh, uh, about a year ago. And that is the the power of the word of God. So the Bible is a living book. It is not just a dead book like, you know, you keep it on the bookshelf with all the other books and the Bible is another book. No, it is a living book because the spirit of God is in it. Jesus is in it. He said, my spirit, my words, they are spirit, they are life. So now I want to tell you why this Bible is a living book. And I have written, made my own definition. It says the Bible is a living book because the blood of Jesus Christ flows and circulates in every word and every letter of this book. The Bible, this book, the Bible, it is a living book. And I tell you why. Because the blood of my Lord Jesus Christ lives, flows and circulates in every word and every letter of this book. That is the reason why this Bible is a living book. Hallelujah. So, The blood of Jesus is the life of this book. The blood of Jesus is the life of this Bible. Now, life is a mystery. Life, that which we call life. You know, there's many things, you you know, some people say, oh, uh, you know, live a long life. So when they say long life, that's when they mean life in the, context of time you know a long life then there's a quality of life whether you have a good life or a bad life a fruitful life or whatever you know but then there is another word for life and that is the life that is you that is what makes you tick that is the life that god has given you and uh, because it's that life which because of which you're a living being you are alive and that life is a mystery you can analyze the other types of life why someone has lives a long life why other people didn't live a long life, or why someone has a good or bad quality of life, you can look. But this life that God gives, the life that because of which you are, that, you know, I'm alive. The word alive comes from life. That life is a mystery. You cannot anal- analyze in a, in, a, in a laboratory or in a test tube. You cannot analyze it in a lab. Or you can and you cannot analyze it in a text tube test tube. And let me tell you where this life comes from. This life comes from the breath of God. It says in Genesis two verse seven, then the Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath or spirit of life and man became a living being. So what God did that that God took the dust of the earth and he formed man, the first man, Adam. Adam was the first man who was not born of a woman and he God formed him from the dust of the earth and then God went formed. So Adam was a shell made of clay, you can say, and then God breathed into his nostrils <sighs> the breath Or the spirit of life, because in the Hebrew, the word ruach is the word both for uh, breath and and spirit; it's the same word. So it says, God breathed into Adam's nostril his own breath or his own spirit, and Adam became a living being. So it is the when we talk about life that cannot be analyzed in a lab or in a test tube that life was given unto Adam by the breath and the spirit of God. God breathed into Adam the breath of life and Adam became a living being. So God's breath, God's breath, God's spirit gave life to Adam and that life was in the blood because we know that the life of all flesh is in the blood and that includes both human life and animal life the life of animals is in its blood but in is in its blood but the life of human beings is also in its blood so my life that god has given me is actually in my blood so your life my life is in the blood so now about talking about blood in the human body there are many different kinds of tissues tissues are the different um, components of the human body. For example, uh, uh, one kind of tissue is known as muscle. Muscle is a kind of tissue. And then you've got nerve is another kind of tissue. Then you got the bones. Those are, that's another kind of tissue. And so on and so forth. You know, you've got the different glands and all that. But all these are fixed tissues with specific limited function. Say, for example, your nerves has a, limited and specific function, that's one kind of tissue. Your muscles are another kind of tissue, and they have a limited, fixed function. Then your bones are another kind of uh, tissue, they've got a fixed and limited function. So you got your body, you're, you're made up of, of many different kinds of tissues, and they all have limited and different functions, okay? Blood is also a tissue, but blood is a fluid tissue. Blood isn't fixed, it's not a solid tissue and it's not a, a fixed tissue. So it moves everywhere. Blood is a kind of tissue that flows and moves everywhere. The heart, your heart pumps your blood along and it takes, that's what I read, it takes 23 seconds for the blood to flow through your body. So the heart pumps your blood and your blood kind of goes everywhere. So it goes, it takes about 23 seconds for the blood to make that circuit through your, blood, uh, through your body. And what the blood does, it takes life-giving oxygen from the lungs and gives it to every other part of the body. So you see, my fingers are, are alive and they are alive because my blood is pumped by my heart. They somehow make it to my fingers and they deposit oxygen to my fingers, my toes, every part of my body gets oxygen through my blood as my blood courses through it. Okay, so through the blood, I'm giving you some scientific things, but it's important for us to understand the importance of blood. Through the blood, every part of the body is nourished, cleansed, and kept in communication with the rest of the body. So the blood keeps every part of the body nourished. It keeps it cleansed, and it keeps it in communication with the rest of the body. So because the blood takes oxygen to my fingertips, it nourishes it, gives it life, keeps it clean. My nerves, everything alive, and so my my fingertip is in communication with my brains and with every part of my body. So, But here's what happens. If the blood does not reach a certain part of the body, that part dies. That's why the blood is live. Say, for example, if I could do something to staunch the flow of blood to this finger. So if I could somehow close the flow of blood, shut the flow of blood to this finger. You know what would happen after some time, you'll see this finger begin to change color. Then it will become dark. It will become black and it's dead because because the blood has not been able to reach it. No oxygen has come, you know, into this into his body. So what happens the nerves die, the muscle dies, everything dies. So this part dies because it is the blood that's the life of all flesh. So my blood is what takes uh, life to every part of my body. And if you can stop the flow of blood from any part of your body, that part of your body is going to die. So now that is why blood is life. That's why the Bible says that the life of all flesh is in the blood. So now, when Adam sinned, Adam had the life of God because God breathed into his nostrils and gave him him, his own life. When Adam sinned, something happened to his blood. His blood became poisoned with sin. And it is through him that all mankind's blood has been tainted with sin. It is because of the sin of Adam that Every human being who's born into this earth, into this world, is born with sin. So Romans 5, 18 and 19 says, Therefore, as by the offense of one, judgment came upon all men to condemnation, even so the righteousness of one, the free gift of Uh, the free gift came upon all men unto the justification of life. Then it says, for as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. So by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. So it says here that because of, of one man's offense, Adam's offense, one man, Adam, because of his sin, because his offense, one man, Because of one man's sin and offense, that's the sin and offense of Adam, judgment came upon all men due to condemnation. You know, judgment and condemnation came upon all men because of the sin of one man. So it says, because of one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. It means that because of the disobedience of one man called Adam, all mankind became sinners in the same way. Because of the righteousness of one man, Jesus, the free gift came to all men because, you know, uh, unto justification of life. So as one man's disobedience made everybody sinners, so by the obedience of one shall all men be made righteous. But my point here is to say that all mankind's blood got tainted by sin because of the sin of our forefather, Adam. So sin runs in the blood of man because of the sin of one man Adam. So tomorrow we are going to continue to talk about the blood and then we're going to talk about the covenant. So I just want you to get a a full and proper understanding of the importance of the blood and why there can be no covenant without blood because you see a covenant isn't just a piece of paper that two people sign and say we're making a covenant. That's not a covenant. That's an agreement. But a covenant is something much more powerful than an agreement between two people. It's much more powerful. In fact, a covenant is so powerful that a covenant can never be broken. Once a covenant is made, it cannot be broken. You cannot say, I think we'll break the covenant. You can't do that. That is now how it works and that's why the blood is important. So we'll study this so you'll understand the importance of the blood and why Covenants were always made in blood and why a covenant can never be broken. And then we'll study about the old covenant and uh, then what was in the old covenant. Then we're going to study in the new covenant. When we study the new covenant, covenant, we'll find out why the new covenant is so powerful, why it cannot be broken because it's cut, you know. But anyway, I I don't want to jump ahead of myself, but I'll be seeing you tomorrow. But let's pray together. Father, in the name of Jesus. I pray for my brothers and sisters. I pray for your life and your blessing upon them. Father, if anybody be sick in their homes, I ask you to heal them. I ask you to bless every family, meet every need they have. Thank you, Father. In the name of Jesus, we glorify you in Jesus' name, amen. Well, God bless you, my friends. I'll be seeing you again tomorrow.